0: Hello, podcasters. How do we change the world? One successful podcast at a time. You're listening to Become a Successful Podcaster with host Bruce Jamoff. Rate him on Apple Podcasts. You have a podcast? Now it's time to grow it, build your audience, monetize, and more. It's all about becoming a successful podcaster. Now here's your host, Bruce Chamoff. Welcome to Become a Successful Podcaster with Bruce Chamoff, where we help your podcast become successful. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, and I want to thank everybody who has been rating us so far, My special guest is my friend, Rob Intelisano. I've known him for four years going, right? About four, Rob? And this is- At least four. At least four. This is Adrian's Network Week, where we interview everybody only from Adrian's Network, which for those of you who have not heard of Adrian's Network, is a very prestigious business networking group that I've been a member of for 11 years. And Rob joined as the insurance doctor and I'm gonna let Rob talk about the insurance doctor in a little while, but what I want everybody to hear is Rob's involvement with the series called Gravesend, which is doing extremely well on Amazon. And he is an actor, he plays an FBI agent. He'll t- talk more about that. There's a couple of things he can talk about, but if you have subscribed to Amazon and you are watching Gravesend, This is one of the actors who I'm very, not only am I honored to interview, but just Rob and I always have a good time when we talk and we're both into heavy metal. (laughs) So we always talk about that. That always comes up and very interesting stuff there. So Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Bruce. I love your show. And uh, I listened to your Adrian uh your adrian interview for adrian miller and i yes. uh, really really enjoyed it you and i have more things in common actually than i thought before
0: yes yes and the one thing and if you haven't heard the show before folks adrian miller is the owner of adrian's network sure enough right that makes good sense i right, to call it i mean it would be nice if i called it bruce's network but that's not going to happen right now and one of the things that came up was when i was a kid i wanted to be a cpa I wanted to be an accountant. I took it in college. Didn't work out. I became a marketing major. And Rob told me as a listening to that episode that he took the same exact path. How cool is that? I
1: couldn't believe when I was listening to it. Um, <laughs> I guess one slight difference was that it was really my parents wanted me to be a CPA. I was just kind of placating them. I said, okay, let's 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 do it. And so I went to Lehigh. Started off as a CPA, and like yourself, well, you 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 made it to intermediate. But after the first <laughs> two courses, I, I had had enough
0: and switched into marketing. I took it in high school, and I loved it. And like I said in the last interview with Adrian, I was doing income taxes at the age of eight. And of course, my you know, I mean, I'm eight years old. My father is not going to just let that go out to the IRS. He's going to check it. Of course, you know, we got an eight year old. I did learn how to do income taxes and i loved it i loved the math because accounting's a lot of math i love filling the forms out and i figured this was my career path i can follow in this footsteps but i'm just not confined to that type of work and i found that out after i was eight i found that out all the way to the age of 19 and i became a marketer and now i am very happy but then i went i stopped doing marketing and it became a podcaster and the web developer so it's you know we I don't think podcasting is still marketing yes it is it is but it is very cool that when i started as a podcaster i really wanted to get into television and then when this came out i figured this is a shortcut to get into television or radio or broadcasting or whatever now i could just be my own radio station and do it digitally and not have to worry about buying that 35 foot antenna that all the radio stations have and podcasting has literally and of course spotify and netflix has literally gotten rid of radio i mean no nobody listens to radio anymore i mean the radio stations are out there right but nobody cares anymore and it's just a matter of time before i think radio broadcasting goes away what do you think
1: possible it's possible i mean the radio numbers are way down there's no question about it and podcasting is where it's at i think you're right I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think you're right. Or maybe it may just narrow down to a very few radio stations, the strong survive type of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I turn it on, but then after five minutes, I'm like, I can't stand the commercials. I can't stand that guy's DJ voice. I'm just going to put on Spotify and listen to somebody, or I'm going to go to Apple podcasts and listen to somebody there or the New York City podcast network. So that's good. Rob, tell us a little bit about the insurance doctor. Well,
1: uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned it because I was recruited while I was in college at Lehigh. I started off as an accountant and then I uh, was in marketing, and then the companies were, uh, they, they come to the campus and interview you. So Prudential interviewed me, and I started right out of school with Prudential. Actually, I studied, knocked out all my exams while I was still in college. It was, they were easy, you know, you're in college. Taking English scams is what you do. So knocked all that out. And I started out in Long Island, actually, in Valley Stream on Central Avenue. Ah. With credential, did well as a, as a rep, and then became a manager. And then was promoted and uh, relocated upstate to Buffalo, New York, for five years. And uh, at the time, actually, Buffalo was making the Super Bowl every year, and my poor Jets were kind of like what they are now, not good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I decided to open up my own firm in 1999. And because I felt that uh, the thing with Prudential is they're what's called a captive company, meaning that they own your clients. So if, if you leave, if there's a non-compete, you have to leave your clients with the company. And they were saying they were the best at everything. And I'm saying that can't be possible that an insurance company is the best in every category. So I decided to open up my own firm in 99. It's, it's worked out really well. And uh, nice. It's like a hybrid of old school and new school because I'll still use a pad to gather some information. And one of my clients was like, oh, it's like, because uh, use, I'll use i use a pad on a clipboard. And one of my clients was like, oh, you're just like a doctor with a clipboard and taking down the information. You know, ah. you should call yourself the insurance doctor. And I said, that's not a bad idea. After laughing, that's how it happened.
0: And you had the white coat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do it out the white coat, but I like the black Gravesend series uh, shirt. Yes, that which we're,
0: like. we're going to talk about the Gravesend series very soon, but behind you and Rob is on the green screen, but he's doing a great job of hiding it. All his, your, your hair's nice and green, though, a little bit there, but, <laughs> but he's got a really nice suit. That's also his business card. I see right there. He was the best of, uh, voted the best of Long Island in 2000. Oh, 2021 this year. Four years in a row, best in Queens. Nice. Nice. I made Best of Long Island one year, and that was 2011. Wow, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, these lists are it.
1: getting bigger. I I was told that Queens, they had over 150,000 votes.
0: I guess because people, they hear of it. They didn't know about it before, and then they realize, hey, here's this opportunity to get out there. I did it once for – I won once for the Best in Technology company when I was building websites, and then I just stopped doing it then. And But yeah, but you look really good in that suit. Thank nice, you. nice navy blue suit. He's got the red tie. He's got the red handkerchief that matches the tie, of course. Typical businessman, man fashion. And let's real fast. One question. Insurance doctor, what kind of insurance do you sell? Well, we work with individuals and for individuals,
1: you know, we handle their life insurance. Uh, we'll handle their, their health insurance, long-term care and disability. And then one of uh, our strategic partners does the auto in the home. And, and for businesses, we do group benefits. So for a business, we can handle your group health insurance and set up other type of benefit programs, estate planning, things like that.
0: That's cool. I will tell you that in I have to, I have to say, I'm dating myself here, but I have to say, I think it was 1990. I don't know, two I did apply or interview for a job in Prudential in Roseland, New Jersey. I didn't get it. I had no experience. They
1: had home offices in Roseland. They had a big home office there.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's where I went. And it's really funny because when I was a senior in college, I had a part-time job at Toys R Us, which is no longer around. But one of the managers that came in failed as a manager. It didn't like retail. Soon after that, I actually went for a job as a retail manager. I figured that was a nice transaction uh transition from marketing. And I didn't get the job. It just didn't work out. But the guy who was a manager, I think his name is Stu, he quit retail management and he actually got the job at Prudential in Roseland, New Jersey. And he said, you know, Bruce, you and I just didn't make it as retail managers. Maybe you would be happy in Prudential. And I went and interviewed and it just didn't work out for me. So I'm glad it worked out for him. But then it's I went not, that. It's not for everyone the insurance industry. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. I never even got a chance. I did, I did work for an auto insurance guy in East Brunswick, New Jersey, a, when I was in college before Prudential. And that was probably why I was going for it because I was like, oh yeah, I work for an insurance agent. So maybe I'm very good at Prudential, and I sold auto insurance, and that was cool. But that's just not where my career path took me and well, it's, interesting,
1: it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because at, in college it's good to know what you don't want to be also i feel like and so yes. I, you know my parents well, at first they were like oh we want you to be an accountant and I, after the, <laughs> after that second course in college I, I had enough and i i had to tell them you know and then i went to marketing and then prudential basically recruited me um but well, uh, before i decided to go with prue my father's like, well, maybe you may want to be a stockbroker or an investment banker. So I spent a week on the New York Stock Exchange. Oh wow! Uh, as a high, as a college senior, and which was pretty cool, you know. And I just felt like I'm more of a people person. I don't want to be sitting in front, sitting at a desk all day, like you know, looking at numbers all day. And I feel like I want to get out there and meet people and you know, utilize uh, you know, personality.
0: What you do in the stock exchange?
1: Oh, I sat with a broker for a, for a week. I went in every day and watched her. She oh. was a really high, really high producer. Uh, Morgan Stanley and, uh, just watched and, you know, kind of, they call it shadowing. Yes. So I, I shadowed her and I'm like, I told my father, I definitely don't want to do this. He goes, okay. It's just, we don't, we need to know what you don't want to do. I said, yes, I do not want to do this.
0: Oh, wow. So like,
1: yeah. Cause insurance, uh, usually insurance is a fallback. Not too many people start off with insurance. It's usually they do something else first.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I saw. I mean, I did it in college. But insurance background, you have a finance background. And now, because we have a podcast audience here, we're going to talk about your involvement with Gray your acting, Robin Telisano, the actor. Uh, it's before, more fun
1: to talk about this.
0: It's more fun. Yeah, that's, that's why. But you're very... You're very good at what you do in insurance, and I want you to get that out. Hey, any podcaster out there needs insurance, call Rob and tell I'm just going to blurt out your phone number. It's 917-359-3985, and let's get into Grayson. Now, let me talk basically about the fact that because we have a podcast audience, podcaster audience, some people really want to take their show into streaming media. Become a successful podcaster, we'll be right back after these messages. In today's materialistic world, it can be difficult to find the time or motivation for ourselves. It's also easy to slip into a negative mindset, especially in the age of social media and 24-7 news. Meditating is a great way of calming our minds and focusing on what really matters in life. But not all meditation techniques will work for everyone. That is where Genevieve Francisco comes in. She breaks down negative self-talk with her clients so they know how best to use their new understanding about themselves as tools towards mindfulness, better health, and happiness. Her Intellectual Nourishment Program offers an alternative view of what happens inside our heads when we try to manifest something new into our lives. It also provides techniques for using these insights as tools for a conscious creation instead of unconsciously creating more pain and suffering. To learn more about Genevieve Francisco and the Intellectual Nourishment Program, visit genevievefrancisco.patia.com. Netflix is actually having podcasts so I'd be the cool if a podcaster can get their show onto Netflix but what I want to know is you're on Amazon so how did the whole concept for or the storyline for Gravesend come into existence and how did it get pitched to Amazon and so forth. And I also do want to mention that Rob's sister is Stacey Reese, and she has a production company as well. So, take it away, Rob. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for me, I much more enjoy talking about uh, you know acting and uh, Gravesend. And so, uh, Gravesend is it's directed and written by William DeMeo. William DeMeo, um, if you're you know if you follow some of the mob movies, uh, he was in the uh, Sopranos. He was in the Gotti movie. He played Sammy the Bull, the rat, Sammy the Bull Gravano in Gotti, along with the, with jo- and John, with the John Travolta uh, version of the Gotti movie. And um, so and he, he always wanted to do uh, something, uh, you know, basically uh, crime oriented in Brooklyn. And he grew up in Gravesend, Brooklyn. It was originally called a different name, but then they realized that somebody else had that name of the series. So they decided. Well, let's just call it Gravesend. Then, with, you know, named after Gravesend, Brooklyn, which is where he grew up. And kind of interesting that they did some of the filming actually at his house, that where he grew up. He was walking his dogs in between the set. It's pretty, pretty cool.
0: Is he the director, the writer, the executive producer? I mean, I feel like he does it all. Well, yeah, he's he's the executive
1: producer. He's the star of the movie. There is another executive producer, uh, David Schuster, also who's the, who's my contact. And how I originally got involved.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it, there's, there were multiple producers. But basically, William, I mean, you know, I've been on the set several days. Uh, one of my business partners and a good friend of mine actually is in it as well. So uh, he had to shoot a second scene last week. I picked him up from the airport up in Buffalo. That's how I originally went up upstate in Buffalo. You know, so I was on the set and it was really interesting watching them transform the set, you know, and how they, how they operate. I'd never been on the set before like that. So, okay. Uh, really interesting stuff.
0: So you got to see
1: it from the inside. Yeah, I've been on the set three different days they, and, and three scenes. My scene, I play an FBI special agent. I get to uh, arrest former middleweight champion of the world Vito Antifermo, who uh, from Italy, who was a hero of mine, came here and, as a teenager, knowing no English, and uh, wound up as the champion of the world, beat Mar- marvelous Marvin Hagler. Yeah, that's. And, yeah, <laughs> and, that- and for me, it was it was. Phenomenal because we're shooting a scene and I'm arresting him and it was shot in Brooklyn. Um, and it, it you know, it, it was, they rented someone's actual house and they had like, a, like one of those down driveways and there's a big balcony. And so the wife is leaning over the balcony. He did something very bad. I can't give away trade secrets, but he did something very bad. And the wife is fretting, looking over the balcony as myself and another FBI guy basically uh, complimented. Take them, take them out the ground floor down the driveway, which you'll see uh, next year when it comes out.
0: Yeah. Now I do have. I'm going. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to share my screen. For the people that are listening on the audio, you can just go to Amazon.com and look up Gravesend, and you'll see it. So, Rob, uh, you can see yeah, my Gravesend screen. Gravesend
1: right? is uh, Amazon Prime. It came out in 2020, season one, four episodes, and uh, follows Benny Zerletta. You know, as a kid, and it was kind of cool, Bruce.
0: Oh wow! Uh, okay, I,
1: I was on I was on the set, and they sh- they showed a scene of young Benny. So it was the '60s, the 1960s. So they had all the cars from the 1960s. It oh was, wow! It, it was, they're playing stickball, and uh, these kids got into a fight playing stickball, and they shot that scene, which took a long time. And then uh, they changed those cars for other cars in mid '80s for a more current, because it takes place in in the mid '80s, 1985, 87 range. And then they brought the, you know, the the muscle cars and some really cool cars from the the mid '80s onto the set.
0: To that's that's good. I'm I'm gonna subscribe to it on Amazon, so I can actually watch and say, "Hey, there's my friend." <laughs> yeah, Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. Hey, not to sound like a devil's advocate, but I don't see your name here. Well, that's season one. I'm not. Oh, season, season one. one. Oh, season. I'm sorry. Oh, so, yeah. You here. don't have to be the devil's advocate.
1: <laughs> uh, if, you want, if you want to look, though, which is pretty interesting, there's some interesting characters in season one, including a former boxer who's from Graves and Paulie Malinaji is the first one that gets whacked. I could talk about season one because it's already out.
0: Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Because
1: so season one, you know, it, it, I believe it was up to number five of most uh, watched on Amazon Prime in 2020. And it's, I'm, I'm excited. I, I didn't have anything to do, do with that one. Um, But, you know, season two, I'm, I'm very involved in and William DeMeo has brought in some real uh some ringers or some heavy hitters. Armando Sante, Fran Drescher, William Forsyth, Sophia Milos. Uh, let me think who else What's one or two other ones.
0: <laughs> Fran uh, Drescher is the is the uh, nanny, right? She's from the nanny originally. Yes. Yes. OK.
1: And oh, Andrew Dice Clay is also in it in season two. So I'm really looking forward to season two. Okay, It's going to cool. be, gonna be uh, probably eight episodes instead of four,
0: and there's a lot of content, and uh, I'm excited. I'll watch a couple of episodes, you know, definitely season two because I want to see your acting ability. I Just to let everybody know, yeah. I know Rob from business networking events. I've never seen him in a TV series, so this is going to be interesting seeing you in a different light, Rob. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's fun. You know, you learn a lot when you're on the set.
0: Now, we're talking to podcasters, uh, obviously, and I want to know how can podcasters take their shows to this level? What suggestions do you have?
1: Well, I mean, that's a good question, you know, and as far as, I mean, podcasting, I don't have to tell you. It's really hot, and, you know, what you're doing is great. I really like your Anchor.fm that you had mentioned on your your Adrian uh, interview. Um, Thank you. (laughs) And I'll just, you know, since we're talking about organized crime dramas, I'll just give an example of, pod, you know, the power of podcasting. So The Sopranos is making a comeback. You know, Sopranos came out six seasons. I loved it. You know, it's a long time ago. And now it's streaming, the, you know, The Sopranos. So they're getting a much younger audience. And two of the members of The Sopranos, Michael Imperioli, who plays Christopher Moltisanti, and Stephen Sharippa, who plays Bobby Bacala, they have a podcast called Talking Sopranos, so it's oh, wow. pretty cool. So every week when a new episode comes out, they, they get it on their podcast. They also wrote a book called Woke Up This Morning. If you watch the Sopranos, the, the, the song that starts Woke Up This Morning, I Got Myself a Gun. Yes. That's the, the lead song into the Sopranos. So they wrote a book and they're doing a, you know, they're they're putting oh, it on their connection. podcast. They have a weekly podcast that's been going on for a while. They're they're yeah. continuing the podcast until the last episode, and they're doing a very good job of marketing it.
0: That's great. I like Podcast that actually go from episode to episode and focus on one show I was a big 24 fan when oh, when uh, Kiefer Sutherland was Jack Bauer and it was Love the that. same thing yeah they had there was a back in 2005 when podcasting was new there was a 24 podcast and the host was Joe Philippe who I haven't heard from from years I'm gonna have to see if I can find him on LinkedIn and see if I can get his show back on but now You're a big Sopranos fan. I got a question for you. When James Gandolfini passed away several years ago, if they brought the Sopranos back today, who would play Tony Soprano today? Well,
1: I would assume his son, but he's a little young. But, you know, because his son was just in, I don't know if you saw the new, uh, the prequel, they called the prequel, Um, and it's the Many Saints of Newark. And his son just played in
0: it. Just came out. I don't know if you saw. Oh wow! It. No, no, I didn't. I got. A, is that on? Where's that HBO or is that Netflix? Oh, no, well, or? it was in the. It was in the theaters. I think. Um, I must have missed that.
1: I think you can now get it online also. Uh, I'm not. Okay. I, I mean, I saw it in the theater just because I hadn't been in a movie theater in so long, and so I actually went. It was kind of crazy. Uh, I went here in Forest Hills, and I saw the first show it was a twelve o'clock matinee. I went by myself and i and i watched it while i was kind of half working i have to admit but it was pretty cool sitting in a recliner watching it
0: yeah um,
1: and it was a prequel so it goes back into the history of tony as a kid and it's played by his son
0: that's interesting i was a sopranos fan and i thought the whole cast was good i mean i i thought and you know and honestly james gandolfini before the sopranos he had i mean he was in a lot of movies but nobody really he wasn't that big and he needed The Sopranos to make him big. But sometimes I wonder, because these shows make a comeback. They do remakes. They get new casts, They get younger cast members. And I can't imagine who could play a <laughs> laugh. But I got an interesting question for you. I think William DeMayo could play him. William DeMeo could play him because he's doing a great job at Gravesend, right? Could you see a comical version of him? Can you see Andrew Dice Clay playing Tony Soprano?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Andrew Dice Clay is going to be playing a boss... I can't tell you anything more about but he's going to okay. me. he he it, you will see him play that in season 2. I'm uh, not okay. Tony Stupano, but you know he is playing a, a role of he's in a managerial role, let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> I can see that happening. He's very good at I the boss. I sworn to secrecy about certain secrets, so I don't want to get whacked before the show starts. No, no, I I don't expect you to. But <laughs> that's very cool. Now, with I should have you on these podcasts more often because you and I have a good flow going, but I know that. So let me ask you now, now you're in season two. Yeah. Coming out next year. Is there, is there a future for Robin Telesano as an actor in other movies and TV series? I mean, I'm enjoying
1: this much more than I thought. And I've been told there are several actors that uh, started, you know, later in life and doing really well. And so I, I am open to
0: roles. I am open. I'm really loving it. That's great. That's great. Now, obviously, you know, you someone could do a Gravesend podcast. That would be great, you know, and I think that you are obviously a very versatile person because you have the accounting background, even though you didn't continue like me. I didn't continue either. And you got the marketing background, insurance, the finance, and now you got the acting background. So your passion says it all. I don't have to… It's funny you say that. I mean,
1: you know, your father trained you to be an accountant. My father trained my math skills. A lot of it came from baseball. My father uh, taught me how to score the games. It was testing me on. Oh, wow. I had to recite Ricky Henderson's batting average at breakfast. So, uh, you know, that's how I got into my numbers through sports. But, uh, you know, the acting, I mean, my, my sister, she's a producer and a director. She's won an Emmy. So I am connected to the industry. I mean, I really do enjoy it. I really do enjoy the industry.
0: That's great. Tell us about Stacy's production business. Yes,
1: yeah, Stacy Reese. So she originally was she was a producer, you know, more behind the scenes, and she worked with Stone Phillips uh, for NBC at Rockefeller Center. For she was on okay. the production team, and then they, uh, they, they. I guess they discontinued the show, and then they got buyouts, which really helped her because that kind of launched her into her own career. And now, uh, you know, now she, she does only takes the, the scripts that she really likes. And she's, she's won an Emmy. She's done some really cool stuff. She did, uh, I actually just sent this to my friend for his housewarming gift. She did a a documentary called I Knew It Was You Mm. on John Cazal, who played Fredo from The Godfather. It was really good. She got to interview De Niro, Pacino, Meryl Streep. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I just, Found it on Amazon for uh, like fifteen dollars. I sent it to my friend for uh, the guy who who got me the uh, Into Gravesend. So that was my kind of gift back to him, and he just bought a house. Uh, so yeah, I mean, she's interesting. She's she's done some pretty good stuff. She did uh, a movie called The Eagle Huntress, which is about the first female eagle hunter, and she went to uh, Upper Mongolia. Interesting, and then, like then they had to go back a year later, and they couldn't find the people because they're nomads. Oh so you have to like f- go fly up there and then you're driving for hours and hours and you're trying to find them because they move. So she's, you know, she's done the, uh, she did one and HBO has bought some of her stuff she, so, and she did something called suits about uh, uh, le- a, le- a female LGBTQ designers, some pretty interesting stuff. She just did, did something on a starship, which you probably saw when you went on her, her website. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, um, I've gotten more into it, you know, since uh, her and my brother, uh, they, they've been together a long time, but uh, it kind of got me into it, seeing, seeing it
0: through her eyes. That's great. So you have, Stacy can always help with the next production. And obviously, if you want to go more into acting, she's got, it seems like she's got connections by now. I mean, when she's interviewing actors like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, obviously they know people. I mean, you got the connection now. So I feel like wanna, let them see me as the FBI guy first and then yeah. <laughs> we'll take it from there. <laughs> and the FBI actually in a series that's like The Sopranos, right? So that obviously is a good way to go. And, um, you know, obviously I'm just looking again. I, don't, I didn't share my screen, but with William DeMeo, I'm sure he's got connections as well. And well, he's working on some other some other things. You know, when they told me,
1: I I only found out 48 hours ahead of time. I was texted on a Saturday morning. That's cool. You Can you be on the set on Monday? And I, I was like, let me check with my agent. I was just, just you know, laughing, just joking. And so then I said, well, what do you have to wear? You know, and then because his assistant, you know, sent me a text. Then we spoke. That no, was just texting, really. I didn't even talk to her. And she's <laughs> like, well, you need khakis. And I happened to be at my parents' house. I don't own khakis. So I, I wore my father's khakis and i i dug it took me about an hour i found my original well, glasses <laughs> as a kid when i first had to wear glasses like the large rim gold rims so you'll you'll see I remember me those wearing, you'll see me wearing those glasses as the fbi guy but i really couldn't see hardly at all because it was an old prescription <laughs> uh, i tried <laughs> be, to take it seriously
0: you would be bumping into walls and things like that while you're, while you're doing your acting and that's very cool how do you find memorizing scripts
1: well I didn't have to memorize a script for me I don't have a
0: speaking part uh oh but
1: okay. uh yeah i I wish I did have a speaking part but you know I guess next time uh, that's something to shoot
0: for in the next yeah but for the me next I movie.
1: Do, I, I've done a lot of I've done workshops for seniors seminars you know I've been on podcasts so um I don't think it would be too too big of a deal for me to memorize a script if I had to
0: sure how many podcasts have you been on
1: I'm not a huge number but i've been, I've been on a couple uh the, the 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 best memory of the podcast I've had was uh podcast called ride the wave it's it's the editor of the rockaway wave rockaway beach oh as uh has a uh, their top their, their newspapers have been around since like guess 1893 i write a column for their paper and, okay um, so he said look i want to have you on my podcast called ride the wave it was pretty cool That's and he cool. also he yeah and he also just came out with a book called gotham baseball about uh you know, different baseball players on in New York and rating the players and stuff like that. So it was interesting going on a podcast because, uh you know, he's uh, very good at what he does on the journalism side, but then he's also a sports guy. So I, I like that.
0: Oh, so he does the baseball players in New York and, you know, what are you, are you a Mets or a Yankee fan?
1: I'm a Yankee fan, but I don't dislike the Mets. I was at okay. the Subway Series game, the 9-11 game, which was really touching at, at City Field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm a, I'm a baseball fan in general.
0: Okay. Talking about counting and CPA. My father, my father passed away, but when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I mean, he passed away a long time ago. So that was 2005. But what happened when I was a kid was he ended up doing the taxes for Willie Randolph's father. Mm. And some people listening would say, Willie Randolph's father. But because it was his father, We had connection. First of all, my father was a Brooklyn Dodger fan growing up. And when he moved to Los Angeles, see when a lot of people have their baseball teams move to another city or even football teams, because the football teams move around like, the football teams move around like crazy. Worse than baseball teams. When most baseball fans, they're not a really, a real big fan of the team. They're a fan of of the city that the team is located in, right? So, in my father's case if the brooklyn dodgers when he moved to los angeles you would expect him to move over to the mets or the yankees or the new york giants at that time but no he actually stayed a dodger fan when he LA went to dodger. los angeles yes and so you stayed the dodgers fan which obviously you are it you're not married to your city you're married to the team when you're a baseball fan but in 19 i think it was and it's so long ago i think it was 1977 when the Dodgers and the Yankees were in the World Series. His client was Willie Randolph's father. Willie Randolph was second baseman for the Yankees at the time. And we got those. Yeah. We we what? Great player. Great player. Maybe not so much as a manager for the Mets, but definitely a good player. I was sitting with Lou Pinella's wife (laughs) at the time. Um, Reggie Jackson, I think, he just came over from the Oakland Ace. I think his wife was there. And we were all right there by the, by the Yankee relatives and friends. It was pretty cool. I was, what was I? I was nine years old, so it was very cool for me. And dating myself now, again. But then, who was it? Yeah, I met Willie Randolph's brother at the time. So it was really cool. And then we all just... We, we met the Yankee, not the players. I didn't meet any of the players. I did meet their family. So that was a cool thing also. Other than that, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. But Rob, listen, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Now you said something before. You said we should, we should also know when we're growing up what we don't want to be. So that's the one thing we don't ask children, do we? We never ask them what they don't want to be when they grow up. That's an interesting take. When you were a kid, and I always say 11 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Oh, my parents laugh about this. It started <laughs> off. I've said things like, uh, I, I always used to think that street sweeper, mm-hmm. uh, truck was cool. The thing with the brushes on the, box, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the drive part. it around and you, you, you know, you. So I mean, at one point I wanted to be a street sweeper. I wanted to be a fireman, but I, I did always oh. want to be an athlete. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I want to be a pro basketball player, but I mean, I'm, I'm vertically challenged, you know, I could <laughs> shoot, but, uh, certainly did not have the, the, the skill set for that, you know, so okay. I would do like, I would do the fantasy sports and stuff like that. So, uh, I would say I, I was wanting to be an athlete, but I never really wanted to get into show business, but these days I have the bug, the acting bug. So I would actually, it would be really uh, interesting to get another part and do some acting. That's
0: great. Yeah, no, I I definitely will check out Gravesend. I think the podcasters listening should also check out Gravesend. And it's just all about taking your show and getting onto a channel that has that exposure like Amazon Prime. And obviously, Netflix is starting to have podcasting as well. So that's cool. So Rob, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure pleasure talking to you. And... My pleasure.
1: And uh, I wish the best for all your podcasters. I mean, yes, no, it's all about promoting your brands and branding. It's always about branding. And I think podcasting is the way to go.
0: Yes. And I hope everybody hears that and takes that seriously because I agree 110%. Well, thank you very much, Rob.